is the Chinese Why are you using this? Because it comes from China. Racist. It's not racist because at all. Because China is accusing American soldiers of causing this. It problem. can't happen. It's not going to happen. So when not we as long hear as xenophobic rhetoric, especially from Washington, we cannot ignore the, it. The culture where people eat bats, snakes, dogs, and there are increased like reports of bullying, harassment, and violent you hate know, crimes. I think calling it the Chinese virus can, you know, is, is racist. As the whole country fights against a pandemic, Asian Americans are also fighting xenophobia and racism, fueled in part by the rhetoric around the coronavirus. The president and others have taken to using the term Chinese virus, saying it's fair and follows the naming of other diseases like West Nile virus and Ebola virus. But there has been pushback. That last person you heard was Wesley Quach with the Asian Business Association. We'll have a full conversation with him later in the show, including talking about drastic closures of Asian-owned businesses in San Diego. Welcome and thank you for joining us. This is the 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Matt Boone, in for Ben Higgins, who's on a well-deserved day off. Once again, we got an update today from county leaders. Unlike the past few days, they had no major announcements regarding closures or shelter-in-place orders, though they stressed more restrictions could come at any point as needed. The drastic changes from Wednesday are still in place, dropping the maximum size of gatherings down to just 10 people. As of Thursday evening, San Diego County now has 105 confirmed cases, up from 80 yesterday. In California, there are now 675 cases total, up from 598 yesterday, with 16 deaths. In a grim letter to President Trump, Governor Gavin Newsom wrote, health officials predict 56% of Californians will be infected with the coronavirus. That's about 22.5 million people. A vaccine is still some time away, but President Trump is hyping a malaria drug called chloroquine that he says is showing encouraging results and will be made available soon. The FDA says, however, it has not yet been approved for treatment of COVID-19. Right now, there are no FDA-approved treatments or vaccines for the novel coronavirus, but a number of companies are planning to or already are conducting clinical trials. Attention is now turning to the southern border after yesterday's border closure with Canada. There are still very few reported cases of COVID-19 in Mexico, just 118 as of Thursday morning, though there could be more. This Wednesday, the mayor of Tijuana decided to cancel events with more than 100 people and schools are now closed. Dr. David Shirk, a U.S.-Mexico relations professor at the University of San Diego, says Mexico has likely been slower to respond out of fears over its own economy. An overly uh, drastic response to the uh, coronavirus crisis could cripple Mexico's economy. So far, no plan has been announced to close the U.S.-Mexico border. We're now three days into the countywide closure of all bars and the closure of restaurant dining rooms. Some restaurants are still offering to-go orders and delivery, though many have closed entirely, though others have been getting creative. 10 News reporter John Horn is joining me now with a story he's working on today about a restaurant that's transformed its entire business model in order to try and survive. Hi, John. Hi, Matt. What is this restaurant and what is it trying to do? Well, we're talking about Eclipse Chocolate, which is in the heart of South Park, and they've been there for 15 years. They're a neighborhood bistro. They don't just do chocolate. They also sell chocolate. They have servers, and they're basically like an eatery, a restaurant, but obviously they can't do that. So a lot of the tables that were in their dining room are now lining the walls, and 
it's filled with fresh produce. And today I was outside when they got a delivery of eggs, milk, butter. And so they're turning into a neighborhood grocer. So they've transformed from a restaurant into essentially a small little supermarket. Have they been able to keep their employees? They are operating on a skeleton crew. On a normal day, they might have like 15 people working if it's peak time. Some of the people, the owner tells me, don't want to work because of health concerns, but others, they did have to refer to unemployment because their hours were being cut. And so it's a mix of both, but certainly they can they don't have any need for waiters and waitresses. So obviously those people are going to see their hours go away. I think today they had probably four people on a day when they normally probably have at least 10. Right. There's obviously the concern for the employees, but the business owners themselves have to find ways to keep themselves afloat, pay their leases and their other obligations. Did they give you any information, any indication that this has been working and giving them a sustainable source of income for right now? Yes, and it's not going to be anywhere near what they made uh, being their full-service restaurant. I mean, he didn't even try to hide it, the, the owner, Daniel. He basically said, this is accomplishing two things. It's you know giving us a little bit of business here that we probably wouldn't have otherwise gotten. But it's also allowing us to fulfill our mission, which is to provide food to people who are hungry. So it's a good thing uh, in terms of public good. But is it going to make up anywhere near the lost revenue? And he was very honest. He said not, not at all. Very interesting. Thanks so much, John. You're welcome. Some of the restaurant's hardest hit have been Asian-owned businesses. Our main guest today is Wesley Quach, director of Asian Business Association's Small Business Development Center. He's a founding board member of the Convoy District Partnership. Welcome, Wesley. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. So as we've played at the top of the show, the president and other Republican figures have been doubling down on calling this the Chinese virus. Do you think that's a racist term? Uh, I see things from both sides here, right? I think inherently on the surface, no calling a disease from its origin is not inherently racist. I think, however, in this case, things are different. I mean, uh, there are a lot of Asian Americans and I guess Asians in general around the world who are experiencing, um, there's an increase in, in hate crimes and and violence and just kind of a verbal assaults um, going on around the world. I mean, there's plenty of examples like, you know, there's a story of a woman who had her Airbnb canceled because the Airbnb owner saw that she was Asian. She just canceled it. Um, stories of people just, you know, on the subway, just going to work, being verbally harassed by other people. You know, saying things like go back to China, regardless if that person is Chinese or not. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, I think early on there was um, the woman who was attacked in New York City uh, just because she was wearing a face mask to protect herself. Um, you know, I, I see things daily, you know, people grocery shopping in stores. You know, just just being harassed by people or, or attacked, um, and so I, I think in, in this situation, you know, I, I think calling it the Chinese virus can 
you know, is, is racist. But even before the president began using that term, um, you know, we've heard the spread of the virus yep. in China back in January. It already had effects on Asian-owned businesses just because of the kind of fear of it spreading. When did you guys first start noticing those impacts on local businesses? I would say probably January, like right before the Lunar New Year. I mean, January in regards to restaurant activity tends to be a little bit slower. Um, you know, it's the new year. People have uh, resolutions to maybe not eat out as much or spend money. But usually we see an uptick in business right around the Lunar New Year, which this year was January 25th. There was a little bit of increase in business there, but noticeably it was a lot slower than previous years. And um, back on, I think it was February 4th, uh, yes, a while ago, uh, we held a press conference with um, council member Chris Kate's office and county supervisor Fletcher, uh, basically about uh, addressing the stereotypes, bigotry, and everything related to the stigma against going to Asian restaurants. I mean, this is back when the situation with the virus wasn't as serious yet. And so we were trying to reassure people at the time um, that, you know, things were, you know, business as usual, you know, for, for Convoy District and for Asian restaurants in general. Right, which now a lot of people it's, would probably wish they could go back to that time, given what's happened now um, with essentially restaurants being forced to close all um, in-house dining and resorting just to to go and delivery orders. Do you have any um, numbers yet coming in from either of the organizations you're involved in and like that kind of have looked at the scale of this yet? Uh, numbers are still coming in. We're, we're, short, we're still trying to gather all the data. Uh, I do know for a fact that there are restaurants, uh, not just in Convoy now, right, but all over that have laid off employees. I know uh, one big restaurant in Convoy laid off several dozen employees. Um, even what a few days ago, when the county issued ordered to uh, have restaurants only offer to go or take out or drive through or deliver orders, a lot of a lot of restaurants aren't equipped for that, right? Like most of their business comes from um, dining in, and even then, like some types of foods just aren't suited for takeout. You know, it's like. You know, getting Chinese hot pot to go is, is kind of tricky or... Even things like sushi is not really something you want to go that's sitting out for a while. Exactly, yeah. And so and so one uh, gastropub in Conway District, you know, like they, they tried doing to-go orders and they, in the span of their... Between lunch and dinner, they had one takeout order. And so it's just not, not feasible to stay open for takeout orders if your business doesn't revolve around that. I know right now there are restaurants still trying to do it. I mean, there's, there's a Korean barbecue place that, um, you know, obviously Korean barbecue is kind of a, a, a to-go food, right? And so they're just selling their meat um, just by the pound. And I guess that kind of worked out for them. So with all this happening, do you guys have any um, resources for these businesses that you're helping connect with? And then also what can the public do to try and help um, some of these businesses that are just struggling for business? My work at the Asian Business Association, uh, we are part of the SBDC network here in San Diego. Uh, we are open, uh, although we are doing calls and counseling hours uh, remotely. And we're doing everything that we can to help businesses in these times. 
Uh, the main resource that I'm pointing people towards is the uh, Small Business Administration, the SBA Disaster Loans. Um, I have to admit that right now the website is under heavy load. Uh, I have a few clients of mine that are going through the process. Uh, basically, with that, uh, it is a low interest loan. It's 3.75%. Uh, payback term is up to 30 years, and it's a case-by-case basis. Uh, that's kind of like the, the number one source uh, I would point people at. For employees, uh, they can file a unemployment insurance claim to the state. Uh, once again, the state is also experiencing a large increase in claims. So hopefully, it won't take too much time. Right, and obviously we're still waiting on some of these state and federal aid packages that could be in the billions or even close to a trillion dollars to try and help um, small businesses and other businesses get a little bit of temporary cash yeah. to, to fill and the gap. Locally, uh, Wednesday, Mayor Faulkner and Councilmember Chris Cade announced a $4 million relief fund for the city of San Diego. Um, as of I think noon today, there hasn't been any new information out, but in the next few days, we have to see some more information on how small businesses can actually uh, apply get access to those funds. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Wesley. We appreciate all of your time and your insight in dealing with this. Thank you. And that's it for today's 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Matt Boone, once again in for Ben Higgins. For all the latest information on the coronavirus pandemic, you can always visit our website, 10news.com.